Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome to Monday's edition of the Terra Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host for this evening, Duncan Mackay, and I'm joined by two of my favourite people whose names begin with T. It's Tony Anderson. Oh, hi, Duncan. And Tom Watt. Hi, nice to be amongst your top T's. I think actually, in fairness, guys, you are probably two of my favourite people of all time. Anyway, I just thought I'd uh, just be try and be funny, but it didn't really work because <laughs> it's because it's not really in my nature. How are we all doing anyway? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fine, Duncan. Thanks very much for having me. We don't always get to do pods so often anymore. I, I feel, Tom, I feel like me and you get to do a lot of pods together. But Duncan, yeah, I feel like a... we've been in recent months. Um, we've been we've been held apart. Well, I think that's just the way that I, th- I think that Craig Fowler is concerned about us becoming too powerful, Tony. You know that he, he likes mm-hmm. the likes that idea of a, a sort of a jambled territory or whatever. Um, anyway, today's show we are looking at a full full uh, match card of SPFL Premiership action. What a treat it was this weekend. And let's kick off with what was uh, arguably the most interesting, definitely the funniest result of the weekend. It was Ross County 1, Celtic 0. Uh, Tom, what what did you make of Celtic and their six buses making their way up to Dingwall? <laughs> I think the most, the most damning thing about this latest calamity is that 
all of the previous, like almost all of the previous ones have been like Celtic haven't turned up and the team that they've played have, have played pretty well. Like Ross County are not a good team and with the greatest respect to them, they, they played, you know, they did the things that they had to do. But Ross County did not play well. Thank Ross you. County I'm so glad could, you've said that. I'm they, so glad they, you've they, said that. I mean, they, they could easily and should easily, had they been playing almost any other team in the division, they would have lost three goals before they scored theirs. Um, and, and, like, and this is no disrespect to Ross County because they did do, they did cause problems. They knew what they had to do. Uh, I think credit to John Hughes with, with the selection and credit to him for understanding or at least quite, quite quickly realising that all you need to really do is sling balls into the box from set pieces and they cause absolute ca- absolute havoc. Um, Ross County created chances and uh, took their took one of the two very very good chances that they had when they when they came along. But Celtic were just awful. They were absolutely diabolical. They had Celtic had nine hundred touches of the ball, hundred and fifty more touches than any other team in the division this weekend. Um, Scott Brown, McGregor, Turnbull, and Welsh had the same numbers of touches as the ball as the entire Ross County team, and they 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 did they were hopeless. They never looked like even with even with glaring open goals, they didn't look at any point like a team that was going to to win that game. Tony, on you go. I feel that you are ready to pounce on what Tom's been saying. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's like I think Ross County worked very hard. They they closed down passing lanes. They had the two banks of four. They'd done all the basics really well. But even John Hughes came out after it and, and, and he made a, a comment about how he was disappointed at how they passed the ball and they didn't look after the ball very well. And I thought that was really telling. But despite them not holding on to the ball, you never felt like there was waves and waves of, of, of Celtic attacks. And and all they had to do was the basics to stop Celtic from scoring. Granted, yeah, Celtic missed probably two guilt-edged chances. I mean, the Christie one's absolutely like hopeless. Uh, and 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 he, and he should score. But outside of that, I never felt like they were. They looked worried at all. I, frankly, I thought that I was speaking to Joel last night before the game, and uh, I thought that the Ross County team was was shit. I think I didn't think it was a good team for them to choose to yeah, put I mean, out on I, the day. The the bench looked really much stronger than the starting eleven. Yeah, and then so I mean, Jordan White was obviously a great a great pick due to Celtic sort of struggles from set pieces, aerially, so that that made sense. Plus, Jordan White's sort of came into to county and looks a completely different prospect than the one that we we saw at Motherwell, uh, and obviously had a, it's now had a huge impact and has been sort of won them six huge points already in the, in the three games that that he's appeared in. But I mean, they've brought Blair Spittle back in. Who was he not on loan? A League One team, and, and now he's suddenly he's not done. He's had about five good games in the top flight in his entire career. And Tony Andrews not, not done anything since two thousand and six since he relegated Hibs. <laughs> I mean, so and then Kelly and Lacken, I thought they were really good. Lacken, um, his energy was great. His, his tackling was really good, and and he plays with his head up. And, and Kelly's been relatively impressive. There, but there was no real standout. They didn't sort of trouble Celtic to, um, through sort of skill. It was more just endeavour, and that's really bad because they are. I know that they've picked up a few good results in in recent times since John Hughes has come in, but they're still definitely one of the the worst teams in the in the league. And it was no problem with Celtic. They played with no 
Celtic, there's, I know they, they lack pace in, in the forward areas, no matter how they play. I think it would be fair to say, Tom, do you agree? The last time we were on, we were speaking about how after Celtic sort of had their, their 10 minute spell against St Mirren, and it went to, they went and it sort of like was talking about them going back to a 4 2 3 1, which I do think they kind of did yesterday. It did look like McGregor and Brown were more central, but just Turnbull, Christie, and Roger, they didn't move the ball fast enough. There was obviously no real pace or penetration. I didn't feel that Celtic used their fullbacks well at all. I feel like they were spread right out to stretch the pitch and they would never, ever look to use them. And, and it just got so stodgy in and around. I don't know what your take on that was, Tom. Yeah, I, I, I think you can, on, on almost every Celtic defeat and or almost every time they've dropped points this season, you can point to something like, you know, the... the they weren't set up right. The the personnel weren't there. Uh, individual players didn't turn up. This was like th- this was just rudderless. There was like the, there definitely was something in the set piece uh, um, in the in the tactics. There definitely there's obvious issues, huge issues. I mean, uh, the BBC stat today about no team has conceded more a higher percentage of the goals. Uh, against than than Celtic this season, which is just a, a ridiculous statistic. Um. That there is issues with individual players having like a very bad game. Laxalt wasn't good. Christian and uh, and Rogic gave the ball away fifteen times. Slack in possession, but just overall, it was so rudderless. It was so it was played at this sort of friendly pace, and there was never a point when you felt like somebody else was I mean in recent games you know the league's gone but in recent games there has been somebody who's been a catalyst to to kick it up a notch it's largely been David Turnbull um Rogers and Christie have done it occasionally uh, McGregor's done it occasionally um George O'Kenny has done it occasionally but there was nothing there was no one there to to raise it a level and there's there's, this is now well beyond a problem for this season. You know, Lennon is presumably done. Brown's presumably done and won't get any kind of send-off like he, he, he presumably deserves. You, you have to be looking at transfer business for next season, presumably for a new manager. Who is it that's who is it that's looking for players? Who is it that's advising on how they're going to play or what they want? What's yeah. the contract situations like? Like Rangers are Rangers are eighteen points ahead at the moment. I'd give them a five point head start on next season at the moment. Ah, uh, yeah, I, mean, I think you're right about that, Tom. Because what the league's gone, so what's the point in playing all these loan players that you're not going to sign? It's a it's a really uh, bizarre way to do business. It seems that it's a, a rudderless ship uh, at Celtic and. Um, that ultimately that means that they are, like you, if you as you were saying the the longer this goes on the more it's going to cost them for Europe next season and for the league uh, for the league next season as well how are they looking to like where are they in terms of they're, they're going to be losing players as well you mean IR um, Edward I think 2022 is there this will be the last year of their contracts Christie but they're not going to be able to get make the money that they should be making for on these guys either Absolutely not, and and it's also going to be a tentative market next year due to obviously like things out with everyone's control, um, and they're going to be lambs to the slaughter because they've all they're, they're already their values went down due to performances, but now it's going to be from a contract perspective as well, and the fact that Celtic are going to need to rebuild, um, so the vultures are going to surround them, and you can see, I mean Edward who 
probably could have been going for like in the twenties of millions. They'll be lucky to get the fifteen now, um, and he should be going for more. For the fact that Celtic got twenty five for for Tierney and stuff like that, they they had the correct setup. These players, but all the all the value is gone, and and Ayer's going to go for less. Christie's going to go for less, and they're all going to want to leave now as well. There's not going to be anybody who wants to hang around and, but, unless unless they pull a superstar manager or a, an entire new way of thinking out of the bag. But I just. I don't see it. It feels very rudderless at the moment, and and frankly insipid. And you know, who who wants to be a part of that? Like really, like and I think that and that's the thing is recruitment become like recruitment's always going to be relatively easy for Celtic. You know, in terms of like, they can offer more in wages than than a lot of clubs, uh, and they can and especially in Scotland they can pick I people kinda... off. But it's not is the, the transfer business that they have been doing re- previously. The guys like Wanyama and and Virgil Van Dijk and stuff is you're selling them on the prospect of getting that move down south. And if you can't be doing that because you're not doing the European performances and you're not playing well, and actually the only time you're talked about in the press is how much a disaster you are, then why would you want, why would you want signed for that team? And you, you can look at the parallels of, of where where Rangers were two years ago. Like Rangers weren't able to go out and sign the sort of players from from even the, yeah. the sort of second tier. Uh, you know, and they're still signing players. players and they're still signing players from the second tier at the moment. They are, yeah, they are yeah. scouting. Uh, Sav, uh, you know, um, they, basically the two clubs of transfer strategy has kind of been flipped on its head. Rangers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, ten years ago were still going out to the transfer market and buying thirty-two-year-old players, or you know, getting players in on loan that didn't have any resale value. That's exactly what Celtic have done this season. And I, and I think that we're now at a stage where. You know, it seems like every time I'm on on a Monday, it's like, what new farce have we got to talk about with Celtic? It's not a case of there being any new solutions. Every single week, there is a new problem. Every single week, it seems like there is another... There's already been, you know, well-documented issues with with the management and the sort of brothership upstairs and the tactics and the recruit. But every single week when they're losing... You know they're they're very fortunate this season in that there's not really been anybody else who's able to put a sustained run of form to put pressure on them because in every other season in the last ten years there 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 might have been, but every single week we've got a new problem with uh, a you know a, a player who just looks like they've jacked it or a player who I mean at the moment who would you put in that squad as a guaranteed starter for next season other than David Turnbull. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, should we talk a little bit more about Ross County? I mean, I, I, I'm kind of loath to on the basis that, as you said, Tony, they, they weren't that good. And, um, you know, obviously Hughes has got this reputation, uh, you know, that, that we've talked about in the past. But, I mean, he's he's getting the results for County, but not in the games that matter. You know, I think I think he talked about it himself in the, the interview that, you know, beating Celtic's fine, but you know they've still not really done any damage against the teams around them, and so having to you know that's why they were bottom of the table until till last night. You know, was that having to rely on um, you know, having to rely on beating Hibs or Aberdeen or Celtic is not a not a prudent policy. Yeah, it's not a sustainable model for trying to stay in the league, especially when you look at um, Hamilton, obviously look a lot better. Although Ross County did, did beat Hamilton uh, and, and John Hughes, sort of, he'd he done similar in that game as he'd done in this game where he made um, sort of triple subs. Um, Loves a triple that, sub. 
Yeah, and, and, and to be fair to him, I mean, we can criticise John Hughes. I mean, I, I know that this podcast, uh, on the whole, probably isn't his biggest fan base, but that has worked, and that's what in, in two games, two big games, Hamilton and Celtic, and it's and it's brought them uh, six points. So he does deserve credit for that. He obviously just wanted to stay in the game. I was surprised he didn't play Peyton, for example. You saw the reason why you would be surprised and say Peyton because Peyton's decent in between the lines. I mean, we've all. Been, I mean, we're all. I'm on record certainly talking about. I rate Peyton, but he frustrates me because I don't feel he does enough. But his set piece delivery is pretty good, as you saw for the goal. So I assumed he would be a stick on to to play. So I feel like he, he sort of was maybe resting some of the the, the, the better <laughs> players. Oh, what another since Sibirin done it at Parkhead. Sibirin put out uh, what I would argue was a relatively weakened side. Uh, from what I thought would be their top, their top side, and, and they and they they managed to turn over Celtic doing that, it, but they they will need to Roscoe. They will need to start taking points off those around them. But the confidence that they'll get for just going off the bottom, and now the worries. If you're Motherwell, oh Komarnik, um, I'd start to be very worried because Hamilton looked like they can, as we're going to go on and talk about Hamilton. Granted, they got beat, but they certainly didn't look problematic as a side. They were the best I've seen Hamilton play against Hibs in a long time. Uh, and now Ross County are showing on a day that they can pick up the victories. If Ross County, I'd be, I'd be really worried because they do have options. They do have a big enough squad. Um, and, and the manager looks like he's he's going to be able to get a tune out of them, whether we like that or not. That <laughs> it seems to have, they have on side. They were certainly working their socks off for him. Um, and I mean, they 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 got, they've still had the, what four wins under under Hughes, which isn't terrible. It's not terrible. It is it is, it is strange to sort of say you know yeah they beat the the, the, the reigning champions. They they're it's the second time this season they've beaten Celtic in all competitions, but not really to be able to give them a huge amount of credit. I mean, there were definitely good performances, and like I said, they they took their chances, but it, it, the the most damning thing against Celtic and the most worrying thing from, from a Ross County point of view is if they had played like that against a Motherwell or a Kilmarnock I suspect they'd have lost that, I'd, I'd agree and I think the, the game that they won at Parkhead I thought they were much better than they were um, yesterday I thought their link up play was better I think obviously they had Ross Stewart back then who, who had one of his better games this season and they sort of had a much more interchangeable side like similar I'll be going on to talk about Dundee United later and sort of like things that are impressing me about them. And I didn't see that for Ross County yesterday. It was very, very basic. It was very un-John un Hughes, to be honest. He's about a 4-4-1-1. He's got Spittle. In the early part of the game, it sort of looked a wee bit more like a Christmas tree because Spittle was pushed further forward. He was playing quite narrow with Andrew and White and it looked like I was thinking, no, they're, they're, they're going to like try and press the game. They were. They, they Tactically, he, he shut down... Uh, he used Spittle and Andrew to shut down Ayer to stop him being able to take the ball out. And I think uh, that was shown by sort of how many touches Welsh had and instead of Ayer, who wasn't able to burst through the team through the midfield as he, he, he sort of famed for. So it just was... So he done that, but then eventually it had to go back in at the 4-4-1-1 very rigidly because um, they, they couldn't really keep a hold of the ball and, and, and Celtic had it, so... I, it was very un-John Hughes performance, uh, but just, as I said earlier, doing the basics was more than enough, and I would like to think you will see more from, from Ross County in, um, in, in other games, really, which sounds ridiculous. <laughs> well, the team that Ross County uh, 
jumped over basically to to get themselves off the bottom table at our Hamilton Ackies. They are now bottom. They went down 2 0 to Hibs at the weekend. Uh, Hamilton started this game pretty well, didn't they, Tony? Yeah, they, they could tell it was a team that was sort of exuding confidence and they were comfortable in their shape. I've been, uh, I think that I think I've been on record saying this before. I think Anderson was a pretty clever signing. It's one of those that just was, he offers something that none of the rest of them did, and he doesn't have to be absolutely incredible player. It just allows them to add a completely different dimension to their game. That rather than before, they were very much going direct to Moyo. And Ocampo, it was back to front, and then it was just trying to pick up second balls. They had the power for running the Callahan and a Dolphin in, in the midfield, which which worked with that from times, but it was never enough. They were still just they just didn't have a hold of the ball for any long enough periods that eventually they would they would always just get found out, and they were getting heavily beaten. But with Anderson now, obviously, he's got a much better touch. His link up plays good. He's an intelligent footballer he's, he's miles ahead of uh, Moyo and Ocampo in terms of his technical ability and that's allowed someone for Callahan to properly link up with on the ground Hamilton they came to Easter Road yesterday they pushed Hodgson and McMahon really high up in the first sort of 10-15 minutes basically up until the until the red card and they were linking really well um, and so Anderson and Callahan, Hodgson overlapping and they were getting a lot of joy and I mean it could have been a very different day for someone like Josh Doig for example I mean he makes a big error in the first five minutes and Ockenpo hits the post um, and so McMahon's made has forced a, a good save out of uh, Marciano so and then so the, the the red card came and, and it really did completely change the the complex of this game, Duncan. Yeah, it did. Tom, you're a neutral. Um, was it was it a red card for Jamie Hamilton for you? Um, I, I mean, I don't think it was a red card, but I think it was a daft challenge to try and make the way that he made it. I, I mean, I, I think it's the sort of thing that he's not completely off the ground. He's not completely out of control. He's not the, the sort of check boxes that, you know, my, my un, untrained... Um, refereeing eye may not be as, as keen as others but I would say it's a it's an absolute stick on for a yellow card it's just a very silly challenge to try and make you're still a long way away you don't need to go in like that you don't like you it's not like it needed to be a last ditch challenge he he had time that he could have even tracked the runner and there, there, there were still covering men um, it did I mean it, it definitely did change the the complexion of the game but I think it was a credit to Hamilton that they were never. I mean, they, they, until the second goal that went in, they 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 were they were well in this game. Um, I think Hibs were good at you know they 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 score immediately after um, Hamilton go down um, to, to to ten men. Um, the uh, Hibs get a penalty and, and you know Fulton saves it, keeps keeps them in the game. But Hamilton hung in there. They stuck to their task, and I think. The advantage that they obviously have over um, th- th- there's a couple of advantages that they obviously have over some of the teams down there. First and foremost, they know what it's like to do this. You know, they do this every single season. But also, they look like they look like a unit. They look like those players had played together. They look like they're complementary of each other, and they look like more than the sum of their parts. Which I don't think you could necessarily say for any of the other teams in their situation. 
Tony, were you at a certain point in the second half getting big Dundee United vibes about this game uh, in terms of Hibs absolutely dominating, missing a couple of good chances, being on top, uh, and then you kind of thought they'd throw it away? Yeah, I was um, messaging uh, a friend of the show, Chris, during the game, and I was saying I was starting to get worried before the the goals because... I mean, I thought the game was starting to look perfect for a team like Hibs. Uh, I thought we were like, we were sort of like probably arguably the best sort of team that's set up for counter-attacking in the league outside the maybe Rangers due to the sort of especially now with Irvin and Cadden and Boyle and Doig. There's so and and then you've still got the the subtlety of Joe Newell and Murphy and sort of like the battering ram of Deutsch. So I think um, in the hold-up play, I think it is all designed very well for us to counter-attack. And then when you've got Hamilton down to 10 men, 1-0 down, we start. We, we looked, we were going to hurt them really regularly, but our final pass was like I said, we were doing really well with the vertical passing. Uh, I, I was really pleased with that, with Irvin moving through the middle. Irvin was very close to having a very good game, but... He kept on trying to pick out Martin Boyle instead of uh, Murphy or Doig, and that happened maybe on three separate occasions, uh, which broke the moves down when we we really could have quite easily cut them open. And then we got maybe a bit of a stroke of luck um, with with the Boyle one because he gets to the byline, he tries to cut it back, it gets blocked, and it's perfectly sort of set up for um, Doig to, to head at home and might as well talk about Josh Dog there. He's, he's he's got better and better and better, and the way he's been managed is, I think, one of the best aspects of uh, Jack Ross's season. And on top of obviously us having a really successful league season, the way he's looked after Doig, the way he's used Stevenson alongside him, the way he's taken him at the firing line at the right points, taking him off at half time in some games when it's not working out for him, taking him at the team for periods, uh, and now the team's just so set up for for him to really benefit. Uh, I think he's done a superb joy, job with, with Doig this season. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think um, what's most surprising to me about Doig is his strength. Like he is, he is a strong laddie. Like you, know, and he's always looking to to try and get forward as well. Which I think is, I mean, a, a couple of months ago we were talking Tony, and we, and we just look every week we'd look at the bench and be like, "Oh, that is really really light." Whereas now Hibs, I've got. You know, due to injuries and, and a couple of signings, I now suddenly got a lot of depth that you're really happy with. And I think that the signing of Cadden and Doig's um, kind of continual progress has just has just been so beneficial for Hibs in, in terms of what they can do now in possession of the ball. I was going to ask you just you you both from your own having seen a lot more of them than me. But, but Cadden seems to have made a huge difference to the balance. Of the of the the eleven, the he, he is. I mean, Tony might want to talk about his technical stuff. I've I've just I'm just absolutely blown away by how fit he is. He just gets up and down that that right hand side so often. Um, if he can if he can add cross into his game that and maybe a bit of shooting, then he might. Be, well, he won't be at Hibs for long. Yeah, it is. It's not. It's not unique when we, he's he's shown what he was doing at Motherwell, and it, it was something we needed to add to the team. I mean, you look at that team when you take Irvin and Cadden out of it, the only real strong runners are Boyle and Doig. Um, so that's it's brought a completely different um, sort of element to the to the squad. And now we've got sort of four really strong num- runners in our sort of front front seven, if you like, the midfield to. To, to the forward line and Cadden I mean there's no surprise that Martin Boyle's found form 
once again because I think he, there's less less work he has to do. Frankly, going going backwards, <laughs> yeah. uh, and he, he can focus on terrorizing fullbacks, terrorizing centre halves. Now he's it sort of looks. I think we he, he's sort of playing up front just now, but not in the way. I think it's a three four three, and Boyle and Murphy are sort of allowed to a lot of freedom. And like I said, with Cadden running up and down that wing and you've got McGinn there who's who's, who's, a, who's an intelligent player in terms of how he holds his position in the back three it just it's released Martin Boyle and now we've got for the first time in a while where Boyle fully can concentrate on what he's best at and that and that doesn't mean he, I mean he was great when he was a wing back under Lennon and that was and, and it worked really well in that team and that was brilliant but it's exciting times for, for Hibs now that Boyle in this shape with this um, with these players around him is is allowing him to to really focus on all the things that are good at, and he's just so bloody dangerous. And that's him got what five goals and a couple of assists in the last sort of six games or, or something along those lines. And Hibs just look really really strong. That's four wins on the bounce for the first time th- this season. Um, and I mean, it's finally winning at home now as well. We're winning at home now, and uh, you know, Tom's an Aberdeen fan, but. It seems that it's all happened at the the wrong time for Aberdeen. The Hibs have sort of got we've sort of switched places from earlier in the season, uh, where it sort of looked like Aberdeen had the deeper squad and 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 sort of more legs in their team, and that sort of just completely switched in in this period now. And, and now there's um, it's brilliant, and I'm really happy. But there was like that tinge of uh, regret, Duncan, because if we didn't have the the sort of fall off in form after Christmas into January. Um, I mean, you could be sitting here saying we could actually really give Celtic a fright here, and for that second Champions League spot. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a it's, a it's a strange one for Hibs this season because despite being third and looking good to stay in third, there's still a, uh there is still a huge element of what if and regret about the entire season, which is uh, quite odd for for Hibs to, fans to be in that position. But you know, ultimately, you know, should have been in the Scottish Cup final, should have been in the League Cup final. On paper, you know, uh, and and you know, with a slightly deeper squad, could have possibly challenged Celtic. Like, no, obviously, no right to finish second at any point on paper. But why not? Like, given the way that this season has panned out, um, yeah, we should, we're just we're yeah. just unfortunate we didn't have the players at the right at the right time. Really, I think is how it looked. And, and I think Ross deserves a lot of credit because uh, well, obviously I, I spoke about it after the League Cup semi-final uh, and it wasn't what I was trying to say is how the perception from the fans and, and what I got it wasn't necessarily what I thought I did I never wanted um, Ross to go but I could see why people were thinking and as I said I thought there was a bit of a beginning of the end vibe to it all and for him to turn it around the signings have settled in and now we're probably looking as good as we've we've looked this season it starts to get to that stage, that Scottish Cup, if that goes on, that could be huge for Jack Ross if he can get to a final or, or win it um, or win a big semi-final on that. Then suddenly this season looks really, really great um, despite some of the tinges of disappointment. So I, um, I, just, I was all, all it's, I it's thinking season is... Of, season if, of opportunity. If the Even if the League Cup semi-final had been a week later, you'd have just had Cadden and Irvin just a little bit Matt Sharper, and I think those are completely different games at that point. But say la vie, uh, we've we've got Darren McGregor back in the first team, and I think that's uh, that's making me happy on every week. Um, so we should now and go with Hamilton. Sorry, sorry, oh, but Hamilton. Just before we move on, I think um, they should still take confidence from this. They they had a, they got a bit of a raw deal for the ref overall, uh, so a bit of siege mentality could come from that. I hope 
Um, a dolphin, I thought, was pretty good. The centre happened when they went back to the back four. But um, frankly, I'd still like to see him put back into his midfield role because uh, while I don't think it's perfect, I think it's bloody great to watch. And in Scottish football terms, a dolphin's a good sort of defensive midfielder, snapping at tackles and stuff. So he's exciting to watch. So um, for those second balls, so hopefully he gets he gets back in there. So I think the next match will go to uh, you know, his connection to the one we just talked about. It was Aberdeen Kilmarnock. You know, Aberdeen still chasing Hibs for third place. Both sets of fans hoping to get Pfizer out their nuts so we can have a European away day. And then Kilmarnock uh, really hoping to avoid the drop. Uh, this was this was the battle of two teams that were severely uh, lacking in form. Uh, Tom, what did what did you make of it? Uh, yeah, two teams incredibly low on confidence and and creativity. Uh, but one of them has, like, just has has beaten the other every single time for about the last forty games, and that was pretty much it. Um, yeah, there there wasn't a huge amount. There wasn't a huge amount between them. I think um, that basically the difference was Aberdeen were uh, even through even through recent weeks, recent trials and tribulations. Defensively, they have been pretty good, um, and I think that was that was mainly the difference. Um, I think. For from a Kilmarnock perspective, first of all, I think their their biggest worry at the moment is this just this painful lack of creativity. Um, they scored eight goals in the last sixteen games, and the teams round about them look like at some point they may burst into life. You know, Hamilton seemed to have found a bit of of team spirit. Uh, Ross Kent have have signed well ish and have have picked up some freak results. Um, Mother will have the players when everyone's fit to to hurt anyone. Kelly have such... They, they, they rely so heavily on, on Chris Burke, especially. I mean, they've got 26 goals this season. Seven of those are from Burke and he's assisted three more. Um, and when else... When, when he's not available or not the races and he is 37 years old... There isn't really a, a, there isn't really a plan B. I mean, um, Nicky Kabamba had a decent chance, and probably should have done better. Uh, Mitch Pinnock had a had a sort of half-hearted dig, but there wasn't really. It, it was very very blunt, and Aberdeen don't have a huge amount of confidence. Um, so yeah, it it was kind of those where you had a team, two teams with no confidence. Coming up against each other, one on the I think the worst losing run in Europe, and I, I you know a good game for Aberdeen to have given they've got this exceptionally good record against um, against Kelly. There wasn't there there were some signs of it being not just the win, uh, but there were some signs that it looked a little brighter than it it has been in recent weeks for Aberdeen. Um, Is that Fraser largely Hornby, down to, to Calum Hendry? Um, no, I would say no. I mean, he he, he was can't be bloody Florian Berry, can it? Well, he had he was very very good. He was very very go good, on. and um, I think there there were a couple of things that were brighter that had that had that looked a little better. Um, Hornby was very good until he. I mean, in the fifteen minutes until he got injured, he actually looked like he was. F- Fully fit, ironically, until he went went off injured. He was causing problems and was linking up and was doing. And actually, his touch was better. He was linking up with Cam very well, and you could see that there was 
the kind of player there that you know a French team might spend a couple of million on. Um, Canberry looked a lot like another game that where he was fit. There was some nice link up play between him and Lewis Ferguson, and Connor McLennan was good at wing back. And actually, I thought Ash Taylor had a very good game. One more possession than anyone else. Twice as many clearances as anyone. I mean, Killy were 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 a pretty blunt instrument. Um, but it was not a. It it wasn't a game for any. I mean, you could have said this about many of the games that um, either of those teams have been involved in, but it wasn't really one you'd want to have on TV. Well, it's just as well that you've got a. Well, actually, I was going to say a nice, easy fixture. You're going away to Celtic, so that actually might be. Um, I mean, there there is a part of me that thinks we should just like throw on, you know, do a Ross County and just you know throw some curveballs in there with some weird selections you know or just with... or just have Derek McInnes line everyone up at Cormac Park in in height level and then just pick the first 11 well like <laughs> i mean what one of the big differences actually one of the big differences is um was now McGinn coming back he didn't necessarily have a particularly great game but even you know even with his slightly waning powers there's still very few in the league that can put in a ball like he can um for that reason alone and he's been, he's very hot or cold against celtic um but for that reason alone i think he should start against celtic because um his delivery was exceptional again like he 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 got the uh, he had put the ball in for the goal he had a couple of very good corners but it, it, he was kind of putting it into very dangerous areas and there are play. I mean, the only goals Aberdeen have scored since whatever, whenever the game against Rangers was, the eighth of January, have been from set pieces. So um, it's the only way that we might get any joy against Celtic, and it seems to be their massive Achilles heel. So who knows? It's like another game that was just settled by um, sort of horrendous marking from a set piece. So I mean, we didn't really go over it in the in the Celtic game. But obviously, Laxalt and Brown looked horrendous. For, for that winning goal and then this game sort of Callum Hendry um, sort of main attribute known as aerially for headers it's and, only um, been on the park a minute as well you'd think that you almost <laughs> yeah. should probably pick this guy up like I mean I do just in that scenario I mean Broadfoot you go on to him you're the best in the air you're the, you're, you're the best defender just I just seen he was just completely free <laughs> I, I was I was when I saw the goal I, I was I was quite shocked um, and so if you're Tommy Wright you're going to be going and I mean he's someone who will go apoplectic no problem at all so I can only imagine but Kilmarnock I mean why not why not play Kilty they're, they're nowhere near creative or good enough to um, to not play arguably their next creative player after after Buck I think it just sometimes things can be overthought uh, and, and sort of Kilty um, well, not perfect. He, he's got a goal in him, uh, and he can and he, and, he, and he can be a nuisance. And he's and he's had some excellent periods this season. Um, he's got to he's got to play. I mean, I know Malumbo. He was probably what the idea was maybe to get him closer to Kibamba. I saw that when Malumbo came on in, in the previous game, um, they had him pushed forward, like pushed quite far forward because he's quite technically good. But yeah, I, I mean, I would I would simplify it a bit and think that. Maybe play the players who are most likely to to score a goal because that's your your biggest issue. Tony, that seems far too straightforward for uh, for many Scottish football. Although it does seem, I think it's very difficult to give uh, 
you know, an assessment Tommy Wright so far. I think just a terrible time to be brought in when you just don't have the opportunity to pick up anyone but free agents, and especially at this time, at this this season, the free agents that you're going to be you're picking up are are, are going to be off cuts at best. I, I think they they've got challenges there. I, I think the what the little there was of Kyle Lafferty suggests that he if they if they can create for him, he'll be. You know he he'll be semi useful and and you know Tommy Wright should not in any way and will not be judged on the back of a, a game when they were very good against a game they were they were better against Motherwell but he was barely in the door a game they were good against Rangers uh, but you know you're playing Rangers and a game against Aberdeen when Aberdeen were all right and have kind of held this they're a to say they're a bogey team is something of an understatement. Um, the the problem is trying to find someone to supply. The, the, I mean, there are players there. Kabamba can 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 get goals. Like Danny Whitehall can get goals. Greg Kilty, like you say, can can get goals. Kyle Lafferty has played at a high level and can get goals. But it's who's going to be providing them that I think they've got. That's where the worry is. I think I would be looking to get. Um... I think Kibamba annoys me because I've said this before. Kibamba was a player I was like, I really liked when he came in last season. Uh, the first six weeks this season, I thought he was great. His form's fallen off a cliff. I actually find I'm pathetic when I watch him quite a lot now. Um, he, he, he just totally falls out of games. He's all over the place. I remember Craig Anderson made a point ages ago on a pod. It was after um, Kilmarnock got beat off Hibs 1-0. And Kibamba, and I said that was, I thought he was absolutely hopeless. And then Craig Anderson made the point, he's like, that's the player we all thought we were going to get. And if you look back in his career, um, that would suggest his stats anyway, and how he was thought of elsewhere, is maybe we got on a bit of an anomaly, that period where, where he looked good, and now we've got the real Kibamba. I hope not, because I, I did I did really like him, but I'd be thinking I'd be trying to get Lafferty into that team as ASAP. fast as possible. <laughs> yeah. And and I would and, and then it's either got to be four four two with Kibamba and Lafferty up front, or if we can't get another tune out of Kibamba anymore, let's get Lafferty up there. Four two three one Burke, Kilty, and then another wide player Pinnock, if you like, uh, or or McKenzie, um, and then you've got you've got a chance of Malumbu, Dicker, Tishbola, Power when when he's fit to play in those those further back. Two roles, maybe even Malumbu played in a deeper position and bring the carry the ball and and, and play into sort of players' feet um, and and to get them more numbers in that forward area. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm speculating on what I think from the, the what I see of Kilmarnock and and what and, and the players that they've got, but um, at least they've got Broadfoot back. Um, they'll hopefully. I mean, I don't know what what's happening with Finlay. They'll be hoping to get him back soon. But um, I'm 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 getting worried. I'm getting worried about Kilmarnock and, and Motherwell because it's it's getting long term. And Motherwell had their their moment under Alexander where it looked like he was he was going to be all right. But they've been absolutely horsed the last few few games. Yeah, that's worse that, than any time under Robinson. So that's, that, that's the perfect link uh, there for us, Tony. Was we'll go to the final of the the four teams that that look like they're getting sucked into a relegation battle. Uh, Motherwell hosted uh, St Johnston on Saturday afternoon. And if the, the I just find it absolutely wild that someone was to show that that low highlights of that game and say that was eighth versus ninth in the league because they the those teams looked leagues apart. It was yeah, it was shocking. Yeah, um, 
St. 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 Johnston since the turn of the year have been great. Like they've they've been so impressive to the point that given they're only what they're only two or three points behind sixth place and they've got they've they've got like a, a pretty decent run of fixtures you almost wouldn't be massively surprised i think they've got they've got hamilton and ross county and they've got hibs you wouldn't be massively surprised if they get you know six points at least from from those games and nobody else is being particularly living. Um, sorry, St. John's, uh, St. Mirren and Dundee United are being, not being particularly consistent at the moment. You wouldn't be hugely surprised if they sneak into the top six, which, given the first half of the season that they had, it, it, it is wild. Motherwell were wretched, just absolutely hopeless. Um, one shot on goal to St. Johnston's twenty-two. One one touch in the St. Johnston box in the first 45 minutes. They gave away possession 38 times, more than any other team in the division this week. Like more than Dundee United did against Rangers, more than Ross County did against, more than, more than Celtic did against Ross County, and they seemed to be giving away possession all the time. They were, they were, it was, and, and Alexander got a lot, of, got a bit of credit when he came in, and yes, he has injuries, and yes, there, there, there are probably five starters that would be in but they weren't anywhere near them like St Johnston if St Johnston had won this by five or six it would not have been an unfair reflection of how the game went yeah I think that I think that's absolutely right and we we saw um the player that Joel Sked thinks he is in terms of Guy Melamed running running the show um after more and he opened the opened the scoring with after more great work from Sean Rooney um, it's, it's it's frightening how much he's come come to prominence in the last few weeks. I, I mean, you're coming to the, the you're preaching to the converted here. If anyone listens to this podcast over the last sort of month, six weeks, I mean, I'm 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 constantly talking about Sean Rooney, and I love the fact that now um, St Johnson have grown into the shape so much, the three four three that um, so Rooney's now getting to have a lot, spend a lot of time in the opposition box. Um, he had two good chances in this game where he where he, where he hit a shot. Obviously, he hit the bar. I mean, it was offside that, that led to the goal. But again, he, he was right in there and he had the shot that went just past the post. Last week, he, he got the goal against Celtic, which was from, from open play as well. So, I mean, he, he, he's having an absolute great season. I was talking about him on an MVP podcast as one of the most valuable players due to um, how much St. Johnson have not felt the the hurt of losing McNamara, who was arguably one of their best players. And it's like now Rooney just played in a position that we, we it looks like he should have been playing his entire career. But um, Tom, I was excited when I, when I saw the, the lineup because the last time we spoke, I think it was when uh, St. Johnston turned Kilmarnock over and they went with Melamed, Witherspoon and Kane. And we spoke about, um, at least Melamed maybe came on in the second half. Uh, and those three were there, and and St John's had a really good performance, and he does like to rotate, and and in that in that forward position because obviously he's got May and he's got Conway and he's got O'Halloran as his options as well. But uh, I love the balance that that brings, and we spoke about it there and seeing it again, it, it's perfect. Melamed just looks like a, a real all rounder, intelligent player, good movement. Wotherspoon's obviously technically brilliant. Um, he, he, and now he's he sort of decision making is light years ahead of when he was a he was a young player. Witherspoon and then Kane's touch um, work rate um, and again I'm using the word intelligence but I think it is fair with Chris Kane he's come on leaps and bounds this season those three as a as a unit 
um, I think that they look really, really good to watch. Yeah, I mean, Malamed was probably was the the star certainly in the the attacking three, but like you said, they've got they're they're a complementary trio. They all work. They all put in a shift. You know, they're all intelligent footballers. They're but and they're. It, it seems at the moment like um, with and Callum Davidson's just spoken about his, about taking a bit of time to to bed in Melamed and and just get used to how the team's playing and get used to you know finding his way in the team and it's credit to him that he he gave him the the time to do that and he he stuck with him and he now he looks like we're it's almost like every week we're finding out he can do something else you know, like this guy can like he he can hold the ball up he can play on the shoulder he can shoot from distance like he's got a really good touch like he, he he's he's confident and he can bring other players in he he's sort of switching switching positions a little bit more it just a a, a fantastic confidence player. I, I honestly really enjoy watching St Johnston I, I really enjoy watching St Johnston since the turn of the year especially um I think if you were doing I know we're only sort of six what eight eight weeks in seven weeks into the the year? But if you were doing a team of twenty twenty one, there would be a, a couple of St Johnston players in it. N- not least Sean Rooney, who arguably is the best Scottish right wing back of the last six weeks. Get him on the bus. Um, get him on the bus. Get him on the bus. No, I mean he. But, but like, let's talk about Melamed and 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 just again on Rooney. Like I. I I'm I'm partly joking, and there's there's always people who who have these like runs of form, but genuinely, I, th- I think that the right. I'm not suggesting that he should be get him on the bus quite yet, but I think he is one to watch. I think the 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 size of him, the fact that he is a a right wing back in a position where Scotland are not particularly blessed with them, he's in a rich vein of form. Physically, he's good. Defensively, he's good. He's a threat at goal. Like he had more dribbles than any other player on the pitch. He made more blocks than any other player on the pitch. He won the most headers than any other player on the pitch. And only Liam Craig touched the ball more often. Now, we're, I'm not saying quite get him on the bus yet. But yeah, like <laughs> tell him where the bus stop is. <laughs> uh, just to go yeah, back. Yeah, I think to... the, only, the only the only difference is that in Euro uh, in the Euros we'll not be be playing a team probably as bad as Motherwell. <laughs> that that is true, but I mean, it's not a position that we're we're, we're particularly blessed. Oh yeah, with. absolutely. You don't yeah. have to go. You don't have to go too far down the list to fight. You like you know. Uh, o- O'Donnell's had his problems with, with form and injury uh, Liam Powers not really made that position his own and is not really a wing back then you're kind of struggling to find players that that play that the only argument would be to, to move Tierney out there and um, as much as I understand why people want that I always worry about Tierney is that we have so many players playing centrally already in this Scotland shape having another one who wants to come inside all the time um, it doesn't seem like like it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of logical sense um when we already have eight players playing through the through the middle of the team but just go back to to Davidson what the another great thing is he's 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 built this system over time uh, and there was elements of it that didn't work in the season and he stuck with it because obviously when we started the season it was Hendry was the main man and everyone expected him to to really come of age after a, a good finish towards the end of last season and they spent a lot of times so it was just crosses in the box constantly and McNamara crossing 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 and now um, they, they seem to be coming into the box and, and we I think I've spoken on the pod before about it that I wanted 
Sir Johnson to mix it up a bit more and how they, they sort of attacked and the, the lanes that they chose to attack and how they chose to enter the box. And I really think he's found that now with, with the balance, with Conway, Melamed, Witherspoon, whoever plays off Kane, Kane or Main. Or me, and and he's got, and it's and it's just credit to him because it, he went on long, long non-winning runs. Davidson, where um, lesser managers, especially with inexperienced managers, would start to worry, and they may sort of flip round and, and change everything that they've worked on and that they, they they had belief in, and he didn't do that, and he stuck with it, and he's reaping the rewards now. And 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 frankly, I don't want to go into too much detail because I'm doing the pod with. Craig Anderson on on Friday night for the preview of the cup final, but St Johnston are the form team going into that, and what a wowzer of a season! If Cam Davidson strolls into St Johnston, gets them in the top six, and wins them the bloody cup straight away, it'll be an un- unbelievable achievement. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to some of the stuff that. Tony's just trailed there in terms of what's coming up uh, on the Terrace Networks this week on about the League Cup final. Uh, we'll move now to the penultimate game of the weekend to look at. And this is one game that you watched yourself, Tony, and it was Rangers' demolition of Dundee United, or is that unfair? Um, yeah, there was two sides to this this game. There was the, the first half an hour, and, and then the rest, it was... I was. I'm really quite frustrated at, at what happened. I think Mellon will be a bit pissed off at his team because if, if you watch it, I think he got his. He played differently than what Dundee United often play. Um, they they tactically set up very differently. The style was different than what we've seen from Dundee United over the season. So it was clearly well worked on, and it was working an absolute treat. And they were unfortunate that they... So Aribo, who I'll come on to talk about because he was he was superb, his goal where he, he sort of hit the shot and, and sort of Hadji stuck a leg out and, and it went in. And then the second goal came so quickly. Again, it was just a deflected drive from Kent that went in. Then suddenly everything was up the pole. The, 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 the style went, the organisation went, the pressing disappeared. And I know that's that can happen. And, and then there's 2-0 down at Ibrox. Yeah, but it was just frustrating because it was working so well uh, and I was excited to see a team sort of really ask these types of questions in Rangers that we've not always seen. So Dundee United, they lined up sort of with a with a diamond or a, or a 4-3-3, depending on how you, how you want to look at it. And they had Clark in that attacking midfield role with the number 10 on his back. And then they had a pair in Shankland. And similar to how we were just talking about St. Johnston there, uh, this really complemented each other well. Shankland looked so much happier um, with this with this sort of shape and certainly with style. Um, Shankland's quite a... I think we, we forget because he's, he's had a season where I think Dundee United style's really let him down. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a wee bit surprised I've not heard his agent sort of moaning a bit. I think he might be worried about how he was going to be perceived because um, I think he's been a bit hard done by by Mellon's style and, and the way Dundee United approach games. It's really like sort of lacking for a, for a guy of his ability for him to get into games. But this one, when you've got a pair's legs uh, and his energy, able to sort of stretch the pitch, move, move wide, um, and, and, and drag players out with the great, and then you've got Nicky Clark, who's um, a, lot, a lot better player than I, I think I gave him credit for, and I mean that in a in, in the sense I always used to think of him as just a sort of lower league goal scorer, but um, he sort of really turned into a 
like as I said, that that number ten role and he's linking, and these guys were dropping off, and Goldson was getting chasing them, Balogun was having to stay back, the the fullbacks weren't able to go forward as much. They were pressing from the front. I mean, the chances that you all would have saw Dundee United get, you see how interchangeable they are. Their passes going back and then third men running, going, and then little flicks around the corner. This is the stuff that doesn't happen by accident. That's been that's been worked on with, with these three players. And then every time Rangers sort of took kickoff, um, from, oh, sorry, a goal kick, Rangers always have the two players in the box like, spread so they can just pass it from... The bit, but Dundee United were being as brave as having two guys right at each corner of the of the eighteen yard box, ready to press them. They were engaging them super early. They weren't waiting until they got to the halfway line, and and it was really working. They created chances, and Alan McGregor made a few really really good saves. And as I said, then those goals went in, and and the game just completely changed. And unfortunately, we never got to see Rangers get asked these sort of questions with Fuchs and Butcher who were great for that first half hour they totally fell out of the game and then it just became the the, the Joe Aribo show frankly and um, I'll let Tom come in here because I'm sure you would have saw a bit of the highlights Tom um, he looked he looked like an, an unreal really yeah he was he was exceptional I, I, it was a really strange game and, and it's in a way it's been like we've all been, we've all been waiting for there to be some sort of inevitable blip with Rangers because the you know because of the schedule that they've got and because of the the games coming thick and fast and I think the I think we're in it and the the it's it's either it is both a credit to them and a, a sign of like where everybody else probably is in the league at the moment that you know their blip has come and they've dropped what two points in the last five games and they could they were not at the races for large parts of this game and could easily have won it and should have won it 5-1, you know, at, 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 at the very least. Um, yeah, I, I, but having said that, um, I thought Aribo was, was sensational. Like, he, he has... The way that he was sort of timing things, the way that he was almost, like, toying with defenders, like, showing them where he was going to put the ball and then putting the ball there anyway. Um, and I thought uh, Barisic, although he missed the penalty, was um, was very good. And, you know, while Tavernier was was out, Barisic really stepped up um, as, as the creative outlet. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I don't really, I don't know what more, what more we can really say about Rangers this season. I think the, the, they, 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 there's so many... There's so many goal threats. There's so many uh, points of danger, and even when they they have been in sort of second or third gear, like it, it feels they have, and it, it, I mean this as a compliment, they they can coast to games and and win them, you know, four four or five uh, as they should have with the missed penalty. Just very very briefly to go go back to United. Um, I have hated watching Dundee United this season. <laughs> Every single time I've watched Dundee United this season, I don't know how, I, I don't know how the fans can put up with it because there are so many talented, particularly attacking players. And yes, the squad is is a bit mismatched, and yes, there's some obvious holes to to address perhaps for next season. But it's not really it, it's it's not been a team that's largely been set up to go and win games. Never mind amass you know significant amount of points and I think credit to Mellon because they did go for it um, Shanklin and Clark should have scored 
um, they had far more bodies up in, in support than they'd ever seen. As Tony said, they they were brave. And Mellon said that they'd kind of been, he said at the end of the game, you know, we've, we've been setting new standards every week. I, I'm not sure that's true, but I think <laughs> in this one they did. I think in this, if this is the way that he wants to set up and if this is the way that he wants to go, they have far better attacking players than most teams in the division. And if this is the way to go, um, th- this is the blueprint to go. It, it's weird to point to a game where they could easily and should easily have lost by, you know, they lost four, they should, they should have lost five. But they were more creative, they were more competent in midfield. They were very unlucky with the two goals that weren't just a couple of minutes apart, but were, were deflections. The third one was brilliant for Maribo, and, and the fourth one was a bit of a freak. Um, but I think, perversely, there was a lot for Dundee United to be positive about. Like there was balance to that team, um, with the sort of butcher. I know he thought of the hatchet man. He played a few nice passes, but he is a proper defensive midfielder. Fuchs is someone I've liked um, the few times I've watched on the United. I think he's good in there. Harks has obviously got legs. Uh, Clark fitting it all together, a pair stretching, Shanklin's link up ability, and obviously ability to play on the shoulder and go. That that works. Uh, Robson and Smith. So they they are fullbacks who are capable of giving them a bit of width. They're fit. They're they they've they're agile players. So I, I think there's something to be to be had in this squad in this shape. McNulty came on and scored. This finally like this we can't play Clark Shanklin and McNulty. It won't work. Um, and I, and I'm glad that just that that's been found. And it's no surprise that since that stopped being happening. They've found much more balance and they have played better in recent weeks. The final thing about Rangers, obviously it was a game without Tavernier. Uh, Roof as well, but not so much. I mean, Roof, obviously Morelos is there. They, they don't have to play too much differently, but obviously it's a huge difference putting a centre-half out there. Balogun's good at carrying the ball, so that wasn't too much of a problem. The effect it maybe had on our players, I was talking to Adam for heart and hand about it when the game was on. And we were discussing that, that obviously Arebo was playing left centre mid and he was commenting that um, you saw that Aribo was coming out to the right a bit more to sort of try and double up with Hadji and I was saying that I did find that Hadji was hugging the touchline a lot more than normally the player in the right hand side of a front three would Um, because maybe Balogun despite having some attributes that that will fit the bill and be good enough and maybe getting to the byline wasn't quite one of them and we did see Aribo do that quite a lot so it more had an effect maybe on some of the other players rather than Balogun but Balogun also was able to, once they went 2-0 up, he sort of sat back a bit more and um, and helped them get more of a grip on the game because obviously, as I said, Rangers were struggling in that period before those goals and arguably Tavernier wouldn't have, wouldn't have done that. But there we go. We're talking about the guy who's going to win player of the year and then Roof, who's been one of the best signings of the, of the season, has done some remarkable things and they two being out and they've not skipped a beat. Ryan Jack had to go off injured. Not a problem. Doesn't matter. Um, it's just the most well-oiled machine uh, around, hence why they've not lost a football match in the league. I think that's fairly comprehensive, and let's uh, wrap up tonight's show with the game uh, in Paisley. St. John, uh, St. John, St. Johnson, though, they don't play their game at all. It's St. Mirren. St. Mirren drew one all with Livingston. Tom, what did you make of this match? Um... I mean, it was kind of billed as a good result for both teams. I'm not sure that's entirely true. I think it's a, a decent result for Livy, who who have maybe had a wee bit of a, a an, an unsurprising blip because there was only one way you're going to go after you had... Yeah, you, you can't know, really win best. every you, game. You can't win every week. You're not Bayern Munich. 
sooner or later, you know, you might have to drop a point or two. Um, but, you know, Livy are, are comfortably in the top six and I don't think it was a, a bad result for them by any stretch. I'm not sure it's a great result for St Mirren who looked a couple of weeks ago like the favourites for the last place in the top six and now I think it's that that's a little bit more of a a little bit more of a coin of a of a coin toss. I mean, they've got um, they've got Ross County. Uh, they've got um, sorry, they've got Motherwell, Ross County at, at Hamilton and Rangers before the before the, the split. They've got three teams fighting for their lives, and they've got Rangers. Who knows what what will come from from those games? Um, but but they were for me. They were the better side. Um, responded well to 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 going behind. Um and a and a brilliant goal from from McPherson. Um, they just needed a little bit more. I think that they 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 will feel slightly aggrieved that they didn't get um all three points because I think they they were the better of the two teams. Tony, how did you see this game? Um, you know, obviously, Livingston got a bit lucky a little bit with uh, the own goal from McCartney but then again if you have your defender trying to uh, head the ball away directly at one of your own players then that sort of thing might happen well yeah it was similar to the the sort of Seagrass one where it, in, the, in the Dundee United game where you, you can say it's a bit freak, but when you watch it back, I mean, Seagrass, for example, kicks it directly at the only place Morelos is and there's a whole other side of the pitch that he can do it. And it's the same for this header. It's not a very convincing heady clearance. It's headed down the way towards the penalty spot. Um, which which isn't great, and then it, and it's and it's hit off McCarthy, and it's went in. I think Simran will be a bit happier with the performance. Um, I know both managers were very sort of respectful of each other, respectful of the discussion after it. That it was a a draw. I think Simran will like the fact that um, Abika starting to look more back to himself. In recent weeks, um, I mean, we've seen Abika similar. To maybe what I was talking about, Kabamba is that he can look like a, a real handful and a great striker to play off. And then other times where all that happens is the ball just bounces off him. Uh, so he can be quite a frustrating player. And and really, you were thinking Simran were actually starting to sort of maybe try and... They had, they had Dennis who could play in there. They've, they've brought Ebrofi in, who's obviously got injured. They brought Erwin in. They obviously had ideas. Bika maybe not being the main man, but in this game you you, you saw what what he could bring the the way the for the goal McPherson's goal, which I mean he doesn't score enough goals, and um, he's another member of a of a really strong Simran midfield. They'll be pleased as well. I mean they've they've got a draw against one of the better teams in the league, without Doyle Hayes or without McGrath starting, which is which isn't bad. Again, it shows depth that me and you were talking about Tom previously when they played Celtic there is quite a lot of depth in this Simran side and, and, and sort of there, there's a lot of tactical ingenuity they, they change it up quite a lot but going back to Abika the, the hold up play and the skill to, to bring McPherson in and let him run onto that ball perfectly to curl it in will we'll, we keep them very much happy because it looks like Abika with, with maybe Connolly playing off him that, 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 I mean it's traditional one guy's an absolute whippet and doesn't always have the best touch. And then one guy's a sort of huddy who sometimes looks passable. And so, I mean, that, there's a, that should work as a, as a, as a combination, if you like. Um, but, and then Livingston, they've got the idea that it was a poor, it was, a, it was poor um, conditions, but they've got a huge game next week. And who knows, their eyes are looking on that. I mean, they started Riley up front 
I wouldn't expect them to to do that next week. Um, I'm not. Sure, can anyone tell me is is Robinson out? Is is that, or was he completely rested from the squad? I honestly couldn't say. I do you know couldn't say with any authority. Um, I think he's injured, but I'm not. I couldn't say with any great authority. So they were, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did get a knock. Um, I'm just I'm just looking at it there because I was looking at a team and I, I just noticed there for the first time that that Robinson wasn't even on the bench. Um, so that would be that would be a worry. Um, they would want to make sure that obviously I think the idea would be to play Robinson uh, next week. Um, imagine Pittman, Mullen will all play Holt. They've got Barkley, but I'm now moving into what I'm planning on doing on Friday night. So I'll stop <laughs> that there. But yeah, it was a tough game, but tough conditions. 1-1, they'll both be happy to go out there. Let's stop talking about it because there's not really much to say, is there? No, aside from the fact that we've got, now got a really, you know, we might not have a title race, but we've got a number of fascinating things. You know, we've got a race for a race for third. We've now got a three-way race for sixth place. Um you know that uh, that won't, they'll be really interesting, and then we've got four teams that potentially get re- uh, that get involved in the relegation battle. So I think there's there's lots to lots to look forward to in the coming weeks before a, even before so the that's split. A, that's a really fair that's a really fair point, Duncan, as well, because I said now that sort of Dundee United are starting to look like they're not eye bleeding. Suddenly you're looking at sort of St John's, St Mary, and Dundee United, and they all have their merits in there. Before I was thinking Dundee United would definitely go. I was really thinking that St Mirren would come into it, but it is really exciting, and they all have their merits, uh, and they all have sort of positions in their team that are stronger than than their um, than their rivals. And yeah, the relegation battle is going to be great because you've got your classic ones in the Hamilton and Ross County, and you've got two big clubs who. I just never picture them ever being relegated and maybe it's one of their fucking turns isn't it all the rest of us go through it so maybe it's one of their turns well thank you very much Tom and Tony uh, for for being with me tonight and going through these games Uh, we are away to record a Patreon uh, and as ever you know the usual place terracepodcast.net you can sign up for Patreon at patreon.com forward slash terracepodcast and is a, and as we said, there's going to be loads of League Cup stuff coming on the page on this uh, next few days. So, uh, thank you very much, Tom. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you very much, Tony. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. See you all later. Bye now. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.